0: You. We are so glad that you're here today. The you not all of the dealers are going today. They are out of town for a few yeah. days. Ready. Yeah. Ready. Okay. Uh, wait, wait. Yeah. kind of unusual yeah. they're having to wait I don't the yeah. yeah. uh, they didn't have a choice on that. It's kind of unusual. But they regret not being here. But we are uh, hoping the best for them to travel and I believe, so short trips for them, but you know, family, wedding we all know how that is well, uh, first time here I'm Pastor Keith, I'm the children pastor social pastor I kind of do it all, other than my main focus is children. You don't recognize me i little weird this was kind of part of being lazy on vacation then it started really annoying my son, here and I got real fun just to annoy him but now this Chrissy's saying, my wife but it, because uh we're doing music camp in a few weeks, why so not the pirate thing, and she's like, oh, you need a beard to be a pirate. So we'll see, This kind of a weather It may be gone by next week. So I'm not, I you know you guys have beard, so I'm not quite as cool at all. So, all right, well, I'm glad that you're here today. This uh, pastor texting me, and uh, wow, i of actually on meditation and hey, I got that wedding, and I you know, almost forgot about it, and I did it, would you mind preaching? I'm like, sure, i quickly yes, you know. I okay, hey, what am I to be John? And uh got back from vacation and all the relaxments, and I began to just really pray. that like, God, what is it? And just begin to stir. And I believe this sermon, this is a little different sermon than typically a Pastor Pack sermon, but I hope that it ministers you today. Um, I really felt God speak to me in this, and I believe that uh, it's purposeful for somebody here today, and hopefully many of you today. And uh, hopefully, I hope I don't overwhelm you with all my personal stories because I'll tell you, this sermon preaches to my life and preaches to me as well. And so uh, I really hope you've come expecting, expecting God to do something in your life. Can we just pray? And I, I do this in children's church. and teach the kids this. Whenever the, the word of God is spoken, whether it's in your personal devotional time or in a sermon, man, I would take time first to pray or my not, not prepare my heart to receive and so I, can you do that with me today let's just uh, prepare our hearts and mind today god we come to you right now we pray god that can you remove any distraction remove any hindrances in my life and god in my mind that would keep me from receiving your word today that can keep me from hearing your truth god we pray lord that your holy spirit be welcomed And into this place and into my life God, I completely surrender to your will Completely surrender to you today And God, I submit to your plan for my life Because God, you are perfect God, you have perfect love And Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit And your anointing to be a part of all that we do In Jesus' name, amen Amen Have you ever been in a panic? Have you ever been so anxious That maybe you made Stupid decisions have you ever been that fearful thing? You know, what, what is it that causes you the most fear? Uh, you know, I, it used to be, I, I, I don't know, this is not actual facts, if you fact check me, but the, the number one fear was public speaking, which happily, me, because I mean, to me, I'd rather be in front of a thousand people than that one-on-one interview, because it just made me, and I'd just rather stand in front of people. I like it, I enjoy it, I, I mean, I've been up here speaking with the most embarrassing thing that could ever happen. You know, you fly down. That's when you just stop, pray, and everybody bows their head. You just you know, it happened. But, you know, I mean, it's not like y'all are going to throw darts at me or knives at me today. You know, I just I, I, I hope not. Anyway, but I, I, I'm not too fearful of that. But public speaking used to be the number one fear. Now oh, I heard something, and it's probably too much Facebook, probably that the number one fear now is the fear of not having. Your I'm like, well, I might have, have that fear. Because, you know, if I, I remember, yeah, if I leave my phone at home, I'd have to go back and get it, because yeah, that's a big deal. But we all have fears. Some of them are irrational. Some of them are genuine. Uh, we have fears in our life. Uh, my brother, twin brother, he was the daredevil <laughs> between the two of us. Uh, you know, we go to amusement parks. I'm the one, that was probably on the little major around here, like, because that's you know, I was like, let's go to the shows. <laughs> He's the one that's, you know. What's the thing at Six Flags that has the jump and swing, rope and cord thing they had to pay extra? You had to pay extra money plus the insurance and sign the waiver that you're not gonna sue them if you die. And that was my twin brother. I mean, he had no fear whatsoever. Um, It's just, that's just not my life. But today, I I wanna talk about fear in our life and and a really important, Verse in the Bible talk about fear But first of all, I heard this quote today That all fear Are branches of fear and failure Even the fear of death Is the fear of failing to live It is the greatest motivator Even though it's a negative in our life I heard once that even anger Is uh, it, it's caused Because of the, uh, Fear of our self-worth our self-worth is a Think about it as parents, we use fear To motivate our children don't touch that or you will die. You know, (laughs) the germaphobe, you know, you're going to die if you touch that. But think about when, you know, they're first getting in the kitchen or whatever, don't touch that, it's hot, it's going to burn you. It's going to burn you. It's fear. Fear is meant to protect as well. Uh, Fear is, sometimes we've used that as a motivator in our life. So how then does it become something that uh, sometimes consumes our world? Sometimes consumes our thoughts. Today, I want to read you story in John chapter 6, verse 16 through 2 1. This is a very famous story. In fact, when I first read it, my immediate thoughts were when I was in Sunday school back in the olden days, and our know, Sunday teacher put those fun little flannel graphs for it. You didn't have those fun? Yeah. That's like a story. You like Your childhood was enriched because of flannel you never had it. You missed out, let me tell you. But they would tell the story, and I remember the story and seeing the little blue phantom of water and the little Jesus up there and then the boat, you know, and the storm. So you'll just picture it as you, you know, as I read this here. And it says When the evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they got on a boat and set across the lake for Capernaum. That now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. Which I find kind of a strange comic, we'll get to that. A strange wind, oh, sorry, a strong wind, was blowing and the waters grew rough.
1: When they had rowed
0: about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I! Do not be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat. So that means they weren't before God. They were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore of where they were headed. Now, I'm not really a boat, ocean kind of guy. I've traveled there. I've lived in Texas and New Mexico most of my life. I mean, especially West Texas, they have ponds, little puddles, I guess. We just didn't live around a lot of water. But I then I, I remember when, uh, I think it was my junior year, we went uh, to or to visit some family, they took us salmon fishing. And all I remember, first of all, I had to get up in the dark. It was in the middle of the night, just a kid there. And uh, that doesn't dwell well with me, if you know me. But I remember on that, and it was pretty exciting, because here I was, this land Rover headed out there, and uh, out there on that ship. And it was like a not a massive ship, just a fishing boat. You know, it took boat, well, that was call it took, well, you know it wasn't, it wasn't massive. And, uh, We get out there, and you know we're out in the middle of nowhere. You look around, and there's no land to be seen. That was the first for me, kind of eerie feeling ever, because I'm like, "Wow, no land! It's all water." But then uh, it was pretty windy day, but not like a wind like the storm. It was just uh, the boat rocking, fifteen foot swells. So there was times that that little boat, you look around, and you just saw walls of water. So that was a little creepy, but we started doing this. And the landlubber and me, yeah, we got a little green. Let's just say that. But we did catch more fish to the other people on the other side of the boat that were eating and drinking and doing all that kind of stuff. And it's because we kept eating the fishes other stuff. That was my first experience on the sea and it was pretty intimidating, pretty incredible to think and the fear always what was happening. Fear is something that we all go through in life and here's the disciples. A couple of observations that I want to point out. The first thing that we noticed is that the first thing that we can see is that they feared Jesus not the storm. They had their eyes and the fear on the wrong thing. Here Jesus was walking on the water, which is pretty miraculous. Think about it. I mean, to me, that right there, we can't get my attention. Even maybe more so than the horrific storm. But hey, there's a, there's a man walking on the water to get their focuses on the storm. Their focus was on the storm and they were feared. And I mean, you thought that kind of ironic because if you've been, you spend, know, you know, anything about the disciples, these were guys who are trained fishermen. That means they've been out on the water before. They probably have been in those storms before, but yet here they are. When they rode out about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching in the boat, walking on the water, and they were. <laughs> Too often, we get our focus on the wrong thing. Uh, my, my mother-in-law tells a story, and told us that one time she had uh, severe chest pain. And of course, they got in into panic, you know, it was severe there. They took her to the ER, ran to the ER, thought she was having a heart attack. Turned out it was just, ah, yeah. oh, panic for nothing. You panic for nothing. Um, a few years ago, it's been almost four years ago. Christy lost her job. She had been working for BK Plumbing Supply, which was for her brother, and she worked there for ten years. And it has become quite an important source of income, obviously, for our family. And uh, the company uh, went under, and she lost her job, and we went. And went oh, rainbow! Oh, oh, they are wearing What do we do? No. All this big fear and stuff goes into our world. And we look back now, and it's probably one of the best things that happened to us. She now has a job that she loves more, that she's passionate about. It's been a blessing for our kids. But see, at the time, all we could see was the storm. All we could see was that storm. It was a storm that really, at the time, was God working in our life because we had gotten so comfortable that okay her job that we probably would have never stepped out for her to do it. You see, often our focus of our fear is on the source that can, re- that can rescue us from the true fear of our lives. But you see, God's promise is to protect us. God's promise, if we're in part of his kingdom and part of who he is, he will protect us. Um, there's a story in Leviticus chapter 26 uh, verse 36, God is speaking to the Israelites. and says, as for those of you that are left, I will make your enemies, talking about their hearts, so fearful in the lands that your enemy, the that the sound of the wind blowing leaf will put them to flight. Think about how much fear he's invoking into the enemy. They will run as though fleeing from the sword, and they will fall even though no one is pursuing them. God has promised to protect us, from our enemies to protect us do so we have the fear that we have God in our lives. Proverbs 29, 25 tells us that the fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. God is there to protect us. You see, the, the modern church to me is, our church today, let's just say that, we, 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 we like to, I think we hang on to fear a little bit. Especially when it comes to sin. I, I remember when we were trying to encourage someone to come to church. It was one of Pissy's co-workers at VK. And uh, he made the weirdest comment. He said, Oh, if I came into this church, or the roof would fall. Or the sky would fall. You see, he feared God, but in reality, what is missing? His fear was unbounded. You see. We, we have church that focus on grace, which trust me, grace is important, and grace is stuff, but listen, we've, in the midst, we've lost the fact of repentance. <clears throat> because we focus on grace instead of repentance, I have a preconceived fear of God. We're hesitant to come to God because there's sin in our life. Many times we hold back on what God has for us, or we hold back on being free from sin because we fear, oh, I'm too, oh, okay, oh, I've done too much. Oh, I've gone too far. Oh, I can't. Oh, God, don't forgive me this time. Oh, I'm unclean. I'm unworthy. And we hesitate. Our world is thinking in that regard to in part, Because our churches are free. I feel like we, we, we miss the repentance that we preach sometimes. Because we're afraid that if we preach it, they're not going to come. But we hesitate to move when we have that sin in our life. It becomes a fear in our life. So often we want to be free from the condition of repentance, but see, it's true freedom only comes from repentance. Because see, we have to understand the nature of God. The nature of God is all loving, all forgiving, full of grace, full of forgiveness. The one thing that we're fearing the most is is God. Just like the disciples, the one thing that was there to rescue them, the one hope that they had, they were fearing the hope. If you're here today with sin in your life, you're here with unrepentance in your life, this will be, listen, it's God. Don't run from Him from that point. It's not a run to Him and recognize He is the one who can help us and that fear is caused by God. Let me assure you that God is not one that will reject you. God will accept you. He can forgive. The second observation I want to notice in this is that that fear goes in the boat. You see, the disciples, their livelihood came from fishing. <clears throat> their livelihood came from that boat. If if, uh, if you're a self-employed, uh, whatever it is, you protect your equipment. You protect what it is. It that computer or I don't uh, many of y'all know Walt McCarty here, he had a whole train full of just he protect that stuff, wash that stuff. That was his baby because it was his livelihood. If you're, uh, whatever your job is, you protect your life because it's important to you, right? You take care of that. It becomes more valuable to you than someone else that, you know, for whatever it is. It's important. And the Pope, that was the livelihood of this. disciples. But see, their focus let me back up. I told you I was going to tell you a lot of personal stories. Speaking of me, when, when we first got married, before Christy and I really began ministry, we uh, well I okay, mean we just had regular jobs and Christy had a really good job. But it was a really sweet job. She'd been there for a while, had some tenure, had the benefits, it paid well, and it really was, yeah, the key source in our income at that time as young married couples. But we also knew that we had this call on our life. We knew that we, we knew that we wanted to be in ministry, especially children's ministry, and uh, especially at the time, children's ministry did not pay as well, especially as her job. We I was working as a part-time children pastor in a church uh, at Grand Prairie, our first church that we were at, and Christy was uh, the only reason we were able to take it was because of Christy's job. And we had really, never, God really lead us. And we really wanted to do uh, travel and do child evangelism. That's where we would go to different churches, and we would do these kids crusades, and we do these big evangelistic outreaches in the church. And uh, we would travel, but the, the problem was is that was a risk, kind of risk. The financial security would not be there because we would have to, what if we didn't get a church book every week? What if they didn't pay us? What, you know, we needed and It was a big risk. And so we decided we were going to do it. And at first we were like, okay, how can we do this and keep your job? Christine? But pretty soon we realized that wasn't going to happen. And we had to just finally take that leap of faith, <laughs> pass that fear, and step out. And can I tell you, it wasn't always easy because there were those weeks that we weren't booked and we didn't have to pay. There were those weeks that the churches didn't pay us quite as much as what we needed for that event. And there were those moments where it was like, okay, what do we do? And we had to. But can I tell you, it was the best decision that we looked at because it launched who we are as ministers. It gave us so much confidence. It led us, believe it or not, it led us to where we are today here at the chapel. Pastor and Judd, uh, we had called us to come to a kids' crusade and uh, it was scheduling conflict. We never made it, but we connected with them before we ever got here. God was leading us even in that time of what we had. Our focus was, oh, but what about her job? That fear. Listen, me. it's okay to lose everything for what matters most. That's a rough statement <laughs> to think about. We thought we were going to lose it all. I, I, I think of the story of the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10, where Jesus, or the rich young ruler, comes to Jesus, and uh, the rich young ruler is like, Hey, what do I have to do to be saved? What can I do? What more can I do? How can I not serve you more? God, Jesus, how is it? What can we do more? And Jesus looked at him, and obviously with love, he worked there, he looked with love, and, and God knew he his heart. He says, The one thing you lack, he said, one thing you lack—that's not funny. Lack is to go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have a treasure in heaven. His lack was that he had too much. Kind of ironic words here. It doesn't really seem to play in your mind if you read that. Oh, he had too much. He was missing. But, but as you can see, and if you read the story, he wasn't willing to give it up. His focus, uh, his fear was that no, I need my stuff. I need that security. I need that peace. I need that. But later on, Jesus tells his disciples, and he's explaining to them. He says, Truly I tell you." Jesus replied, "No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children or fields, for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in his present age." Again, their homes, their brothers, their sisters, mother, children, guilds, along with persecutions and the age to come in our life. But many who were first will be last. No, will be last, and the last will be first. When we give it all to Him? Willing to lose it all? it cost us the most. Listen, that's what we gain the most: our fear. Sometimes we're frozen because of what it costs us. We're fearful to obey because of what the cost will be. Fearful to give in ties. Fearful to attend church regularly because it might cost us too much. Fearful to tell others about Jesus because what it might cost us. Fearful to you know, give up our time for prayer and Bible reading. Your blessing is found on the other side of your obedience. And oftentimes, our fear is keeping us from what that blessing truly is. There's a story in 1 Samuel of King Saul. King Saul was the Philistines, and God gave him specific instructions. Obey this, do this. King Saul disobeyed God. He did not do what he said. In fact, because he said, God says, I would teach to just eliminate the Philistines. Take them out. They are evil people. They do not worship me. They are, they are against God. They are, they are worthy. Now, that sounds harsh. But that's how evil the Philistines were and distracted they were. And God's like, eliminate them. Not just them, but everything. Don't take any plunder. Don't take any livestock. But take it all and destroy it because it's all vile and evil. That's how horrible that God considered the Philistines. And Saul goes into battle, and instead of obeying, he wipes out all the people, except for the king, and he keeps the prized, the precious, the best livestock, because he's going to sacrifice that to God. Samuel shows up, the prophet of God, and he's like, uh, what is that? What is that? Bleeding of sheep? Is that the sound of cows in my ears? What am I hearing? And Saul said, yeah, yeah, that's the best for what we got out of the war today. Oh, and here's the gold. Oh, yeah, we got the key. We're going to take care of him. And Samuel says, what? That's not what God told you to do. And Samuel takes care of the king right there. And he tells King Saul that obedience is better than sacrifice. It's our obedience that God is looking for. God considers our obedience, and also sometimes we're afraid to obey. But it's through our obedience that leads to the blessing. Our blessing is found on the other side of our obedience. And sometimes we're frozen The final fear that I observed or I noticed in the scripture is the fear of not being with Jesus. In verse 21, it says, then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were headed. So it's kind of funny I think that. we a little sooner. <laughs> they took him into the boat, and immediately, boom. <clears throat> They've been struggling for hours and they've only gotten a few miles across the sea there. And then all of a sudden, boom, Jesus walks up and a miracle happens and boom, they were on. No effort. No effort. No longer. They had probably, I mean, can you imagine thinking about the rowing and the physical or whatever it was, if it was sailboats or rowboats, whatever. They had been working for hours and they got nowhere. They were, because of the way the wind they were stranded out in the middle. And as soon as Jesus walks up, he just you know, walks on the water, him in the boat, and not only rescues, but all of a sudden now they can rest. All of a sudden they're all of a sudden their their whole situation changed. Not only the the fear is gone, but also the effort that it took for the fear is gone because Jesus was there. Jesus was in the situation then. They accepted Jesus into the situation and immediately things changed. Immediately things changed. The one fear that we cannot afford to have, uh, to not have in our life is the fact that we cannot, we must fear that we don't have God in our life. We have to have God in our life. You see, without Jesus in the ship, the progression was difficult. It's not impossible with him. But immediately things changed. Jesus was the answer To all our fears I think back to the times The difficult times of my life The most difficult time in my life that I have I've lived a pretty blessed life but At age 14, we don't know this I lost my mom Horrible experience Horrible experience <laughs> But even all the sickness And stuff that led up to that Can I tell you If it wasn't for God, I don't know if I would have survived I don't know if I'd have been up here preaching to Jesus it's because God brings peace in those situations, in those tragedies, in those times when we've lost our jobs. I've been there, lost a the job. Been there, Christy. Been there, myself. In those moments of financial stress, in those moments of difficulties with family in our life, and struggles, and you know the, the, the strife that happens, and all those challenges that we and, and, that, that we deal with in life. Because life happens. I'm not the only one, right? <laughs> but, but the reality is, is when we have God in our life, it changes the circumstances. Well, There there was a time when uh, Christy's sister Margie was in the hospital and they called us in saying, okay, you need to come and say your goodbye. She was in high Christy and I weren't freaking out. Some of her family that was, not will say, we're freaking out. I mean, literally, like, losing it. And they even come, and they call Pastor, because Pastor was up there with us, and they pulled him aside and said, I think you need to talk to Christine King because I don't think they're accepting this. I don't think they're, uh, they're not freaking out enough. <laughs> and like, no, they're right. <laughs> we're going to have faith and we're going to believe to the very last end. And can I tell you, guess what? Aren't you still alive today? Yeah. And, and it was because I believe that Christian, and I took our stand of faith. You see, it's in those moments. It's in those moments of testing, those moments of the fear, that the greatest fear should be that, hey, is Jesus here? Is Jesus in the moment? Do we still have Jesus in the situation? Is he here? Because, see, he can take and he can change a situation drastically. Yeah. Amen. Maybe you're here today and, and you uh I like the one guy that if I think I'm the ceiling, he might be falling down just in a minute because there's a sin or repentance in your life. Listen, I'm telling you, forget that fear and check if the biggest fear is do I have Jesus in my life? Because see when you come to him and all the other fears gone. My favorite verse, we talk about fear, and I I I preach this to the kids, I preach this to my Personal kids, but first John four eighteen. There is no fear in love. But the perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not is not made perfect. Listen, when you come and you accept Jesus and he becomes a part of your life, fear is gone. Your life doesn't have to be fearful. That that worry has can be gone. The concern, the heaviness, the effort of the stride of trying to fight that storm. Listen, it becomes effortless when we receive Christ into that situation. And we stop focusing on the storm and we focus on the man who can walk on water. On the man who can take us from the storm onto the shore immediately. And trust his you see, Jesus in our life changes everything. There, there, there's another thing that I saw on Facebook again, but I thought it was kind of interesting. That, that if you count how many times in the Bible that it says, Fear not. anybody heard this before? 365 times. That's one for every day. I that was kind of interesting. One for every day. Fear not. Today, is time to loosen the grip of fear in your lives. It's time that we as believers understand who we are in Christ, that we don't have to be fearful people. Yes, hard times are going to come. Yes, there's going to be bad things that happen because we're living in a world with sin. But listen, we don't have to let that affect us. We can walk in victory today because we have a Savior who can walk on water, a Savior that can rescue you a Savior that can take that, that disobedience, that sin, and cast it into the sea of forgiveness. He can take that heartache, that hurt, that pain, and He can heal it. He is the God that is all powerful. And all it takes is that step of obedience. That I receive you today. God, I receive you into this situation. Maybe today you're here and you've got your eyes focused on the wrong storm, maybe it's focused on the waves. I Think of when Peter got on the boat too. He was walking on water. He was good until so he started looking at the waves. Maybe today, in your life, in your situation, whatever it is, maybe you need to refocus. So if you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus, in your life, make that your number one choice. There should be a fear of not having him in your life. That's the only fear in your life. It's you in your life.
1: And if you're here today and maybe you've
0: got your focus again in the panic mode because you're looking at the storm, readjust, readjust. That's what we come to church for, to readjust. That's what we go to the Word for, to readjust. Readjust your focus today. Remember, what does God's Word say? (laughs) God walking on the water. Let me pray for you today. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Father God, that you are a God that is all power. God, I thank you, God, that you are a God that is almighty. God, you're stronger than any are God, you're mightier than any problem and situation in our life for you. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that God, that you are a God of perfect love. And God, today we receive you and receive your perfect love in our life. God, we repent today of any disobedience. We rep- repent today of any sin. And we ask that you forgive us. God, that we can have you into our life. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, God, that your love would be our focus today. We accept you into our life. Now, God, we also, God, we readjust our thinking today. We readjust our focus today. We readjust our spirit, God. Your word says, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me, God. And I pray, renew a right spirit, God, that focuses on you. God, not the storm that focuses on you, God. God, the, the man who walks on water, the man who heals the blind, the man who provides in every situation. That's, that, that's where I focus today. God, I focus on what your word says. Lord, I thank you, Father God. God, I rebuke fear out of his place in Jesus' name. God, I cast out fear out of my life in Jesus' name. God, I rebuke it out of my thinking. And I pray right now, God, that your word, your word come to place, Lord. Your Holy Spirit right now. God, I pray Holy Spirit right now that you would move. But right now, I pray you, God, I pray right now, Jesus. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, whoever you're speaking to right now, God, that you would move in their life. God, there's someone here today, that I believe, you're speaking specifically to you. God, I pray that they not hold back. I pray that they not hold back, but God, that they would surrender today. Wherever you are in this building, just surrender to Him today. Surrender to Him today. God, your spirit in been heaven today. God, we surrender to you. God, we thank you today. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We You're here today.